0: Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Artists who manage to have only one career hit are often the butt of jokes. Getting tagged as a one hit wonder can kill your career. But let's turn this around how many hits do you have? Same as me, zero. There is so much music out there, so much competition for our attention. That if you manage to break through all this noise, even just once, that should be considered a giant victory. And remember, too, that thanks to streaming and the tens and tens of millions of songs available at our fingertips through our smartphones, that today's artists are not only competing with their contemporaries, but with essentially humankind's entire recorded musical history. So, yeah, being a one-hit wonder is a genuine accomplishment. And while you may burn brightly and then quickly fade, it is possible that one song is all you really needed to sit up yourself with some royalty checks for the rest of your life. And at the very least, you know, you'll end up as a trivia question, and that'll keep your name alive. Some of these acts are gone forever. Others have moved on to other things. And others still keep plugging away, hoping that lightning strikes twice. Here are the stories of some alt-rock artists who hit it big exactly once. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Hi again, I'm Alan Cross, and we're going to clean out the email inbox a little bit with this program. I get requests all the time to do shows on one hit wonders, but this is a bit trickier than you might first think. So we're going to have to lay down some rules before we begin this program. First of all, how do we define a one hit wonder? Well, it comes down to what we consider to be a hit. The starkest definition of a hit is a song that makes it into the top 40 of the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, and the artist responsible for that hit achieves that exactly once. But if we stick to that definition, we immediately run into problems. For example, there are more charts than just Billboard. Virtually every country and every territory around the planet has their own charts, and we always see regional hits. What may be a bust on Billboard could be a monster in Sweden or Australia. Second, the Billboard Hot 100 tends to veer over towards pop music because of the way it's compiled. Now, in the old days, the chart was put together using a combination of radio airplay and the sales of 45 RPM 7-inch singles. The original one-hit wonders were determined using those rules. Today, though, metrics include download sales and all manner of streaming stats. And pop fans tend to be heavy consumers of music in the sense that they'll listen to the same songs 10, 20, 30 times in a row. And that skews where songs end up on the streaming charts, which in turn impacts Billboard Hot 100. And hit singles can be a terrible way to measure an artist's legacy. If we stick to just the Billboard definition, then the Verve is a one-hit wonder, thanks to the song Bittersweet Symphony, which is the only song from the band ever to make it into the Billboard Hot 100 Top 40. But if you're a fan of the Verve you'll know that the group has a rich catalog of great songs that are near and dear to the hearts of millions of people around the world. You can call Blind Melon a one-hit wonder for No Rain, and the reaction of fans will be apoplectic. They will scream about how many good songs the band recorded during their short career. How dare you put them in the same category as, uh, I don't know, I'm Too Sexy from Right Said Fred. Try doing the same thing with Crash Test Dummies, Eels, Jesus Jones, Soft Cell, Dexy's Midnight Runners, and dozens more, and you'll get the same kind of pushback, and rightly so, because there's way more to these artists than just their one mainstream hit. Also, for the purposes of this program, we're going to focus on the alt-rock of the late 1990s. This is when we began to see an inordinate uptick in the number of bands who came and went with just one song. So what was it about the late 90s that fostered this kind of one-and-done environment with alt-rock? Well, basically, the whole scene had grown tired and aimless after grunge and the whole alternative nation revolution that had engulfed the early part of the decade. Labels were reduced to signing acts on the basis of one or two songs. And the industry was fine with that because it was in the process of killing the CD single. Hey, you want that one hit song? Too bad. Buy the whole CD for 20 bucks or whatever. what? What do you mean the rest of the CD is crap? Okay, maybe. But again, too bad. This is the same attitude that nearly killed the industry when Napster came along and music fans gave the establishment the big middle finger. So if we're going to do this, we're going to have to be very careful and very judicious. So let me just say this at the outset. Every act we're going to talk about in this program has a body of work greater than just their one well-known song. However, we can also say that only one song broke through to capture the attention of an audience wider than their immediate fan base. For example, can you name another wildly popular song from Fun-Lovin' Criminals? Fun-Lovin' Criminals from 1996 with Scooby Snacks, and you'll find that on a record entitled Come Find Yourself, which actually featured five singles. And this is just one of six albums for the band that they released between 1996 and 2010 yet it's their only true legacy song, the only song from the band that most people recognize. But know this, Fun Love and Criminal still exist. They continue to tour. There was a 20th anniversary edition of Come Find Yourself in 2016, and they continue to record and release music. Lead guy Huey Morgan has a regular gig with the BBC, while the other two members continue to work on various musical projects. But Scooby Snacks continues to generate the bulk of their musical earnings. Next up is Marcy Playground with Sex and Candy. They came out of Minneapolis in 1994 and scored with a big hit off their first album, which was a self-titled release from 1997. It reached number two in Canada and got as high as number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. So, yeah, this was a big hit on Top 40 radio. And it's even been covered by Maroon 5, who had some success with it. But this was to be Marcy Playground's only hit. There were three other singles from that album, and to be honest, I'd never even heard any of these singles until I looked them up. There were three more albums, too, and the band is still officially together. The singer and leader, John Wozniak, has been living in Canada for quite some time. He's married with four sons and is a partner in a recording studio in Vancouver, which he bought using the proceeds of that one-hit wonder. I smell sex in Canada. Next up on our list of one-hit wonders is Semisonic. Like Marcy Playground, they're also originally from Minneapolis. They're the ones behind the song Closing Time, which has become an end-of-the-night staple at bars around the planet. This was the single from their third album, Feeling Strangely Fine, from 1998. And it was pretty much all they're known for. Now, again, to be fair, there were two more singles, entitled Singing In My Sleep and Secret Smile, that did okay in 1999, but those were minor hits. And those minor hits came in the UK. And after a couple of more years, Semisonic broke up. But then there was a reunion in 2017, and it seems to be sticking. A couple of Where Are They Now notes. Drummer Jacob Stitcher has a degree from Harvard in African-American studies, and he wrote a great memoir called So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star. Bass player John Munson continues to work with a variety of bands in addition to Semisonic. But the big story here is guitarist and singer Dan Wilson. He's become a renowned songwriter for hire. Dan wrote a song for the Dixie Chicks called Not Ready to Make Nice, which was nominated for a Grammy. But even more important was co-writing the song Someone Like You with Adele, which was a massive, massive global hit, hitting number one in dozens of countries. That netted him a Grammy for Song of the Year, and he also won a Grammy for being one of the producers on Adele's 21 album. And if that wasn't enough... He has songwriting credits with dozens of other acts, including Fantagram, John Legend, Steve Perry, Josh Groban, Jason Mraz, Leanne Rimes, Stevie Nicks, Halsey, Cold War Kids, Kay Flay, Weezer, Panic at the Disco, and Taylor Swift. So, uh, Dan's feeling fine. And it's not strange at all. No! Semi-Sonic, featuring songwriting powerhouse Dan Wilson. I hesitated to include this next song on the list because it's become such a cliché in the world of one-hit wonders. But we got to be true to history and soldier on. And because the story behind the band is so unusual, the track is Tub Thumping from Chumbawamba, which came out in the summer of 1997. This was a highly unlikely hit because of Chumbawamba's history. They had a very anarcho-punk attitude, very left-leaning and committed to class struggle and Marxism and revolution. They were also big into animal rights, gay liberation, all forms of anti-fascism, and peppered everything with a dose of anarchist politics. In other words, not the kind of band that fit into your standard music industry mold. Chumbo Bumbo was formed in Lancashire, England in 1982. After a few years, their releases, many of which were cassette only, started appearing on the U.K. indie charts. One release that got attention was a 1986 record called Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records, which was a takedown of Bob Geldof and the whole Live Aid initiative. Meanwhile, they smuggled tapes into Poland and other Eastern European countries where music was heavily censored. Back in the West, they sold enough records and played enough gigs to pursue music full-time, and in 1998, they signed a major label record deal, which seemed weird for such an anti-capitalist band. But they answered those criticisms by releasing an EP called Barefaced Hypocrisy Sells Records. At least they're honest. Meanwhile, along comes this single called Tub Thumping that flew up the charts on both sides of the Atlantic. Massive hit. But then the band sabotaged their own success by making some comments about how it's good when cops get killed and that fans who can't afford their records should, you know, just steal them. And when Nike offered them almost $2 million to use the song in a World Cup commercial, a commercial that would have been seen worldwide, they said no. And when GM licensed another song for a TV commercial, they just gave the money to a couple of anti-capitalist groups, which promptly used the cash to launch a campaign against GM. The major label deal ended in 2001. The label was probably happy about that. And Chumbo Bumbo went back to releasing indie records until they broke up in 2012. Since then, all the members, and there were about a dozen of them, have gone on to do other things in music, film, television, and theater. But, back to tub thumping. Still gets played, still earns money, and is a full-blown cultural meme. I get knocked down. I get knocked down again. You're never gonna knock me down. I take a whiskey drink. I take a chocolate drink. And when I have to pee, I use the kitchen sink. I sing the song that reminds me I'm a urinating guy. Okay, here's the real deal. back with more great one-hit wonders from the world of alt-rock right after this. This is a look at some of the great alt-rock one-hit wonders, the stories behind the songs and the artists that made them. And here's a gorgeous tune from Mazzy Starr. That's such a pretty song. From Santa Monica, that's Mazzy Star with Fade Into You, from a 1993 record called So Tonight That I May See. And when it comes to one-hit wonder status, we have to really kind of tread carefully here. When that album came out, nothing much happened. But a year later, it suddenly caught fire. As a pop hit, it did not do much, stalling at number 44. So it's not officially an old-school one-hit wonder. But on the modern rock charts, it reached the top three, with the album selling over a million copies in the U.S. alone, even though it never went higher than number 36 on the album charts. But sales were slow and steady. This ignited interest in the previous Mazzy Star album called She Hangs Brightly, which sold half a million. And the follow-up album sold nearly a quarter million copies. So in other words, not too shabby. But Mazzy Star was not happy with the way they were being treated by their record label, they didn't like the pressure of creating music to a deadline. And by early 1997, the band was released from their contract. No hits were forthcoming. Singer Hope Sandoval worked with the Jesus and Mary chain and the Chemical Brothers, while her partner in the band, Dave Roback, worked as a producer. There were solo works and a reunion in 2011. Hope spent much of her time bouncing back and forth between the U.S. and Ireland. Drummer Keith Mitchell died in May of 2017, and Dave Roback moved to Norway to before he died of cancer in February, 2020. Fade Into You was the only Mazzy star song that got established in the alt-rock world. Although there was one other song called Hala that found a little traction in 1995. But again, the band sold nearly 2 million albums over the course of their career. So, you know, that's that's gotta count for something, right? Let's bounce to a true one-hit wonder. In October, 1990, a gem of a pop record was released by a band from Liverpool called The Laws. The key guy here was Lee Mavers, the singer, the guitarist, and the main songwriter. The Laws released exactly one album, a self-titled thing that took three years and several producers to finish. Mavers was a super hardcore perfectionist and would work on a single instrument sound or performance until he was dragged out of the studio. When the album finally came out, it was an amalgamation of these different sessions. And even though it got fantastic reviews and has gone down in history as a very influential British indie album, Lee Mavers eventually disowned the record, believing that none of the producers were able to capture the sound that he heard in his head. A two-decade hiatus followed, and the band scattered to the wind. There were reissues and a box set, but no follow-up. There was a reunion of sorts in 2011, but still no second album. At least 22 members cycled through the band. The one thing that has endured this entire time is this single, this one single, which had a massive impact on Britpop four years after its release. It's been released and re-released at least three times. It's been on a number of soundtracks and TV shows. It was covered by a band called Sixpence None the Richer, and their version was used in a commercial for birth control pills. All this was enough to give Lee Mavers a pretty steady stream of income without having to do anything more than go to the mailbox. Let's hear that single, which has been called the perfect pop song more times than I can count. Here are The Laws, and there she goes. 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 Great song, but the only song from The Laws with any success whatsoever, and it's from the only album the band ever released. The late 90s was a weird time for alt-rock. Grunge had played itself out, the generation that drove the alternative nation of the early 90s had grown up and moved on, and they were replaced by a new generation that preferred happy pop like the Spice Girls. Those who remained either got into new metal, which was terribly polarizing, or kept looking for new alt-rock acts. The record labels didn't know what to do. They kept signing all these acts that came in the wake of grunge, hoping that something would stick. And what we ended up with were a bunch of bands with one or two good songs. But because the industry phased out the single, the only way to get to these songs was to buy a full album for, you know, 15 or 20 bucks or whatever. And this created a lot of consumer rage. 15 bucks so I can just get one song? That's nuts. This set the stage for Napster when it appeared in June of 1999. And suddenly you could download virtually any song you wanted for free and not have to worry about the other 10 or 11 pieces of crap on the album. Harvey Danger was one of the bands cut up at all this. The group was formed by a bunch of journalism students at the University of Washington. By 1997, they had enough material to attract major label attention. They signed a deal and released an album called Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone? This was the lead single. Big hit! And sadly, their last one. Harvey Danger from the summer of 1997 with Flagpole sit Again, major success. The video got tons of play. It was in the movie American Pie, and it even made it into the top 40 of the American pop charts. And that was it. The label seemed to lose interest, then the label was sold, and Harvey Danger was lost in the shuffle. Still, a follow-up record called King James Version was released to positive reviews, but without sufficient label support, it didn't catch on and the band broke up in 2001. That lasted about three years. Then there was a reunion and another five years of not much. Then they broke up again, issuing a single called The Show Must Not Go On. One member went to work in the newspaper business. The other founded an IT company and the bass player died of complications due to cystic fibrosis in 2016. More one-hit wonders to come. Don't go anywhere. This is a look back on some of the great alt-rock one-hit wonders of the 1990s. So many bands remembered for just one song. They may have issued other singles and a slew of other albums, but all they've left behind is this extremely limited legacy that has nevertheless been a moneymaker over the decades. Let's talk about Space Hog. They were formed in New York City in 1994, but none of the guys are American. Three of them are from Leeds, England, and the fourth is Canadian. In 1994, when alt-rock was at its peak, Space Hog signed a deal with Sire Records. Very cool, very well-respected label. They released an album entitled Resident Alien, which now that you know where all the members were from, that makes sense, right? This was October 1995. The first track on the CD was issued as a single and became a global hit. It was really big with alt-rock radio, and it reached as high as number 32 on the American pop charts, a genuine top 40 hit single. There were placements in movie soundtracks, video games, TV shows, and it was a fantastic beginning. But it was also pretty much the end. And I'll prove it. Can you name any other Space Hog songs? Okay. Can you name any other Space Hog albums? Yeah. The only piece of notable trivia about the band beyond this song was that singer Royston Langdon married actress Liv Tyler in 2003. We were married for about five years. Spacehog, the one-hit wonder with In the Meantime from 1996. The band broke up in 2002, but reunited in 2008, and they're still together, although the last thing they released was an album in 2013. But again, that song has been so enduring that it supplied a steady stream of cash, even after all these years. The Flies were contemporaries of Spacehog. They also came together in 1994 and were quickly picked up by a label. A record called 25 Cents came out in 1995, but few people paid attention. Then they released Holiday Man in 1998. And that's where we find this single Got You Where I Want You you by The Flies were formed in Hollywood around the Paskowitz brothers. Their father was a legendary surfer, which explains why they sampled a couple of Beach Boys songs for a few tracks. That single was gigantic for a spell in 1998. It was followed by a third album in 2000, but nobody cared. They broke up in 2002, reformed for a couple of records in 2008, including a redo of that song, as well as a cover of the Beatles' Hey Jude. Why anybody would do that, but anyway. Uh, And that was it. Back to the Beach. Going through all the stories of these alt-rock one-hit wonders is so much fun that we're going to carry things over into a part two on the subject. Let me sprinkle some names at you. Dishwalla, Kay's Choice, Sparkle Horse, The Toadies, Tripping Daisy, School of Fish, Hum. Listen, if you're a child of the 90s or you just love 90s music, the memories will come flooding back. Meanwhile, let's keep in touch. All these programs are available as podcasts. Just look up Ongoing History on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other podcast platform. You should subscribe so you don't miss an episode. There's my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's updated every day. It comes with a free daily newsletter, so you don't miss anything. I can also be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all email is welcome. Just send something to alan at alancross.ca. Alt-Rock, One-Hit Wonders of the 90s, Part 2, next time. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.